0: All right, do I have Clay Holbright on the line? What's going on, man? Hey, well, first of all, I'd like to uh, tell everybody that uh, we are getting ready to start our very first podcast interview uh, with inspiring time with a mentee, and today I have on the line Clay Holbright, who is the owner of Best Body Shop out of Wichita, Kansas, and uh, a little bit about Clay. I've known Clay for about three and a half years. I met Clay through um, Mitchell International. He was probably one of my first customers that I got a chance to see. And uh, ever since then, it's just been a dynamic relationship. And so I figured what better way to start off this podcast than to have Clay Holbright on as my very first interview. So at this time, uh, I'm going to introduce Clay Holbright, and we are going to start talking about different things about life and what makes clay tick so with that <laughs> so with that clay i'm I'm introducing you buddy that's my that's my intro for well, you
1: it's, it's good to be on here man i appreciate the invite i well, appreciate is, you inviting me on
0: no problem no problem at all so you know a lot of people don't know too much about clay holbright unless they follow you on facebook um but uh Tell us a little bit about you know what what gets clay up in the morning um to just do what he does
1: man that's a uh that's a good question um a myriad of things you know i think uh, just i'm driven to succeed all the time um okay is not okay in in my eyes and so i'm I'm always seeking after um you know, wanting, wanting that right now per patient for my, um, but I mean, even when I was young, it was always, whether it was baseball or um, I got into magic tricks at one point, I got, I mean, everything is all in and just be the very best at whatever I'm into. So yeah, I mean, what gets me up in the morning is just uh, being the best of whatever I'm involved in
0: Well cool cool so let's 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 back up a little bit so give us a little bit let's start with your background from when you first started you know working uh, I believe if I remember correctly you used to do some body work with your dad is that correct? Can you hear me, Clay? Clay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You broke up for a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, we got to make sure both of us have good connections. So I yep. think I got to – I'm not moving anywhere, so hopefully <laughs> that will stay good. But um, uh, the question I wanted to ask you was, let's back up a little bit to when you first started doing – was that back when you were with your dad or were you in a shop at that time?
1: Yeah. You're talking about getting into the body the, the body shop industry? Um, yes. Yeah, so that was that. You know, around 16 years old, I, I, I kind of got this bug to have a career or have something to go after. I, I worked. My dad owned a Christmas light company and a and a um, cleaning company, and I had worked for him up until that point. You know, work ethic was an extremely important thing in our household, and so. Uh, I knew what it was like to put in serious amount of hours and travel and work, but you know, at 16, 17, you're starting to get that itch to like, I want to do something that's not with my dad. Um, but I had no idea what it was going to be. Um, and so I, uh, I, in all honesty, we drove by a body shop by my house and I remember looking inside the body shop and going, well, that'd be kind of (laughs) cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh I I didn't have anybody that was into the body world. My dad really wasn't into cars that much. My brother that was ten years older than me, he was kind of, I mean, he was into cars here and there. Um, but I wasn't a I wasn't a car guy or a car family by any means. But there was just something about the collision industry or cars being bodyworked and painted that 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 um that piqued an interest in me. And so I simply just walked in there and uh, applied, and he told me, this was Lonnie Moore in Park City, um, just simply told me, hey, if you don't have skills, we really can't utilize you. And I said, okay, well, how do I get skills? I said, do I go to a school? And he goes, no, don't go to the school. they are not really going to teach a whole lot there. And, you know, the schooling industry for auto body has always been a real difficult thing uh, in our, you know, in, in the body world. And so we, uh, I went to a bunch of other body shops, and everyone said the same thing. So I went back to one of the body shops, Auto Body Complex, and I just worked for free for a year. I got a job at Walmart while uh, while working at this body shop to pay my bills, and uh, I guess that's that's how it all started.
0: Well, wow, that's 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 pretty cool the way that started that way. So, when did when did you? And let me back this up. Start. You did work any mores is that correct?
1: And then yeah, so that's so, what so I actually worked at Greg Johnson's Auto Body Complex for a year for free, and uh, I got some I got uh, some skills built up a little bit. And Greg finally looked at me. He goes, "You know, I think you could uh, probably work at a shop now." You know, and uh and so I remember I was going to Lonnie's every week. You know, trying to get a job and. Lonnie finally, after uh, you know every single week and a year, you know, pass coming coming past, he finally pulled me back into the shop, and he he looked at the rest of the team, and he goes, "This is what tenacity looks like," and he goes, "You can sweep the floors now." And so I, I literally got hired to sweep floors and clean the place and do details, and and uh, yeah, I, I had a little bit of skills under my belt, uh, but he wasn't wanting to risk and understandably now that i'm an owner i completely get it he didn't want to risk finding out what skills i had so he's like just just keep the place clean and uh what what he didn't know is some of the technicians were allowing me to do some of the bodywork and stuff uh back in the shop <laughs> <laughs> you know they're on flags so all of a sudden their flags are getting good and i'm hey i i love bodywork. i literally would get off of work go home and work in my garage until you know, until I'd crash out. Sometimes I'd even fall asleep in the vehicles. I literally remember opening doors to vehicles I was working on in my garage and just passing out in the passenger seat, waking up in the morning and you know, taking a quick shower and running down to Lonnie's.
0: <laughs> so what 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 was the point where you felt that you had to leave working at a body shop and become an owner? Um so that decision was actually
1: made for me um a, a a story that has not been told in a public platform is I was actually let go from Lonnie Moore's. I was actually fired um and it was because of a decision that I made um that put Lonnie in a bad decision it was a uh it was something that is recreational nowadays, but and we, I guess we could stop beating around the bush. I, I got caught smoking weed
0: <laughs> and,
1: uh, he's, you know, he's a good caring boss. He was a solid dude. And he just, you know, he was put in a position where he was like, Hey, I, you know, he doesn't, it's not a personal thing. It's a business thing. And, and, uh, we both came to the agreement that I would be, uh, that I would need to leave. And, uh, so I loaded my box up. I went to my garage, um, and, uh, that's kind of where I, w- I had always, I mean, since day one, I mean, even when I was 16, 17 years old, I always had something going on in the garage. Even when I, when I was living with my mom, you know, living with my parents, they split the the two car garage in half, put a big old piece of plastic down the middle and said, keep your stuff over on that side. <laughs> so, you know, it, the transition was like, well, I guess I'll do this, um, you know, out of my garage for a little bit. And so I did the garage thing. I had very, I had a very small mindset. Um, I'm into my, my mindset was, you know, I just thought I made all kinds of excuses of why I didn't want to grow up and be an actual shop. And I, it, it, looking back, it was nothing but excuses because I was scared. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there was actually, I got introduced to a guy named, uh, Sean Taylor with Taylor and associates. He was the first customer of mine that that actually seen me as a person, not someone just saving a a deductible or just cutting a corner to save. Cause that's, that's what you do in a garage shop, right? You're the cheapest guy. That's why you're used. Right. And, um, he saw the skills that I had and he goes, man, you're really good. You ought to, you ought to do this in a shop. And of course I, I did the same thing. Oh, I had all these excuses. I don't want to sell out. I don't want to be these big, you know? And he goes, I think you just, I think he, he said, you know, I think you just need to push forward and do this. And, uh, with his help, he coached me mentally. He helped me. He was a good, solid business guy, and uh, he coached me through what it's like to be a business and, and 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 focus on what numbers I needed to look at. Of course, I, I was always kind of a numbers guy anyway, um, and I was a very organized guy even in my two-car garage, um, but we found a property or found a, a rental place, 2,700-square-foot um, shop, no running water, no bathroom, no paint booth, and just... It was a thousand dollars rent, and I I took the leap. Shortly after taking the leap, I found out my wife was pregnant at the time, <laughs> and uh, and that was
0: uh was about six seven years ago. Well, that's awesome. That is awesome. So we're gonna we're gonna skip ahead a little bit. So, what what is? Let me ask you this question. Um, because I mean we're only gonna stay on Mitchell for just a little bit here, and we're just gonna keep going sure. because I, I think people need to know a little bit more about Clay. But what what was one thing? about our program that you did not expect. You know, when we first met and we talked and and I know we had a really good uh connection right away when we started talking, but what was what was yeah. one thing that you did not expect um that Mitchell was able to do for you? Um the
1: the rate of growth. Uh so you guys came in So I knew right off the bat that you guys spoke the same language as I, you know, in my shop, we're an independent shop. We're focused on, you know, correct and proper repairs by the OEs, you know, following the repair procedures, utilizing the right parts. Um, You know, we're not, we're not a, a high, we're a low volume, high quality. We're not high volume. We're not, you know, we're not focused on slamming cycle times. And so whenever I talked to you guys, anybody that I talked to, Mitchell, um, it was consistently about the correct repair and getting the right documentation and recording the repair correctly so that you knew knew what the cost of repair was. Therefore, you knew what to charge so you could keep your doors open and feed your family and and keep your techs on. Um, But when I very first met you, there was a lot of promises. You know, hey, we're working on Mitchell Connect and... It's going to be a cloud-based system, and you know it's going to be really awesome. And hey, we're working on an on a um, on a um, scan tool that's going to be you know set up through the cloud, and it's going to take a little bit. And hey, we're working on an OE scan tool, and hey, we're working and uh, integrated procedures, all these things, and and every single thing that you told me was done um, ten times faster than what you actually predicted predicted i mean it was oh yeah this Mm -hmm. is going to take a little bit and then all of a sudden i'm getting a phone call from you saying hey guess what we've got the scan tool came out what (laughs) i thought it was (laughs) supposed to come out for another year you know um so uh, the how fast you guys made good on your promises
0: it was it was the thing that completely surprised me well that's that's good to hear because you know we always you know whenever i deal with people um i definitely don't want to give them false hope and i don't want to give them all you know uh sunshine because you know what reality whenever you're building something or you know making a new product you know there's tests and everything's got to go through certain tests and and if something goes wrong it gets you know it can always fall backwards so um and
1: and and i'll i'll tell you one thing that i appreciate about you and I appreciate about mitchell is um we we both um i got rid of the old estimating platform and joined on to you guys and we were both building our business it felt like building at the same time Mm -hmm. and i completely understand and know what it's like to have the mentality of success but not have the results to show and Mm -hmm. so a lot of times when a customer comes in and they see a, a dungy shop and they see you know not the best booths in the world and not the best you know stuff but listen you know i have to sell that customer right i'm going no trust me i'm not like the other shops i'm not gonna you're not just a number i care about you i'm gonna repair your car correctly no matter what it takes and it's hard to overcome that initial look well i feel like with mitchell when you very first came you know it was you had to sell quite a bit like no you don't understand we are like you and i got it instantly i'm like no i get it i'm with you guys for the long haul and, uh, and that's, in fact, when people call and ask me about, you know, what made me convert, I'm like, well, what made me convert was simple, that they were going to be in the same position that I'm going to be in in 10 years. Like, we're on the same path, we're down the same road. If we're in vehicles, I know that we're going to the same destination.
0: Well, that that's awesome to hear that, that, you know, we definitely have the same outlook um, of where our goals and future are. And I think that's one thing that I'm really proud to say that with Mitchell is that they've definitely started looking at the future and and what's the best route for our customers. So now I'm going to, now I'm going to give you a three-part question. All right. Okay. Um, What's the most important thing you've learned in your life slash business? And then what was your life like before learning it? Okay. So, and then what was your, what is your life like now after learning it? Oh man,
1: that's a that's a heavy question, there, dude. You're you're dropping some bombs on me. So what's the what's the most important lesson I've learned? What was my life before and after? I after learned? learning,
0: yep, yep. Um, hmm, hmm. You know, I I wasn't gonna make this easy for you. I'm like, I know. I wanted know. people, I wanted it's, people it's to solid. learn and know Clay Holbright. So, you know. So I would say one and
1: I don't I don't want to I don't want to say this is the most important, but one of the things that has massively a a lesson that was really hard for me to learn um, is to take ownership for any and all mistakes in my life, period, whether it's my fault or not, um, and not to allow people to dictate my success and my future. Um, It is tremendously easy. And I guess to go into what my life was before is someone would fail me or hurt me or not come up to, uh, you know, fail on an agreement that they had with me, whether it's an employee or a friend or a customer or insurance company. And instantly I can blame that one thing um, for the failure. Um, Now, what my life looks like after taking blame myself is now I can find the reason for success or the reason to make myself successful. I Grant Cardone talks about this quite often that, you know, if you, whatever you blame, you're giving the power over you. And so, um, a lot of times instead of me getting emotional or thinking about, you know, what someone did to me or how something failed, I instantly go, well, let's not blame that person. Blame yourself. Why, why are you in this position? What can you do to get out of this position and be better Um, I wish I would have learned this lesson quicker because there's been some pretty heavy blows that have taken uh, taken some time for me to heal over. Um, But now the beautiful thing is, is I can really look at people, have respect for who they are and not necessarily carry um, anything that they have done against me um, as as a weight. I just go, okay, well, let's just that's just happened. Now I have to, now I have to do something about it. Oh, cool. That,
0: that's, uh, that's pretty heavy there. That's something that's, uh, definitely a life learning experience. So, well,
1: failure, failure is the
0: guarantee.
1: I mean, that's it. And the minute that you learn how to handle failure, um, man it, it life gets a little easier
0: <laughs> yeah i you know what i i i think i would understand that cuz you know what now a lot of times when i'm dealing with customers you know since i'm also a consultant and a salesperson um i find myself now learning to ask for the no you know yeah, just yes. just just ask them for the no if you're not going to do it i'm okay with that you know um yep. just just tell me you're not interested and you know what We're, it's it's business it's nothing personal and i'm okay with that so I found myself where I'm doing that more myself as I ask for the no. And I just just had a,
1: he just made a video the other day on that. He goes, get to the no as quick as possible. It's on the tip of the tongue. The people, you know, customers, especially whenever you're doing like cold calls, follow ups, you know, when you're doing a cold call kind of situation, you know, customers generally are ready just to say no. They want to get off the phone. And so instead of trying to keep them on the phone, you just get to that no as quick as possible and then find out how you can how you can change it. And a lot of times it's just doing things that no one else is willing to do. You know, Hey, let me, sure. let me come, let me come by your office. Let me bring you a coffee. Hey, it's hot out. Can I bring you a slushie? And, you know, Hey, are your team, does your team need some water out there, some Gatorade. If I brought your team Gatorade, would you give me 10 minutes to talk to you about, you know, my, my estimating software that it's, it's amazing what happens as soon as you can get to that. No, everyone thinks that's the end of the conversation. That's actually the beginning of the honest conversation. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. So now let me ask you, what's something that people seem to misunderstand about Clay?
1: You know, I think the biggest thing is that I'm just this big insurance leader. Um that I'm this uh, exposing the insurance behaviors. Um, and I would say, you know, two, three years ago, maybe I was an insurance hater. Um, I was really frustrated because I didn't know how to handle the insurance. I didn't know how to educate my clients. I didn't know the legal system or the Kansas state laws. Um, Luckily for me, I, you know, shout out to Barrett Smith. He, he, uh, he taught me some things that were valuable. He saw a distressed, angry dude running a shop that was, you know, had, had ethics and morals, had a heart, but didn't have an education. And, um, but anyway, I think the biggest thing is I get, Oh yeah, you're the, you, you know, you're the guy that hates insurance. So, no, I don't, I don't hate insurance. I just, I, I'm just pro consumer. I love my clients enough to, um, make them aware of some of the tactics that are set up by some insurance companies. So I, I think the other thing is, is that I'm not like, if you watch any of my videos on YouTube or Facebook it's always this real hyped up. Hey, what's going on, boys and girls, it's Clay. And so when I get people that meet me for the first time in in person, they're like, you're a lot chill, like a lot more chill in person. (laughs) Like, yeah, I I don't run around you people.
0: (laughs) You know, I, I find myself doing the same thing when I do my live Facebook, you know, I find myself all pumped up and excited when I do it. And then sometimes when people see me, they're like, uh, why aren't you all pumped up? I said, I'm pumped up. I just, (laughs) You know, when I do a video, I I just like to really, really be excited about doing it because it's 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 something I like to do. It's fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we uh, we I went I recently was in Oklahoma
1: at a uh, Kiko training event. And uh, there was a bunch of body guys there that I knew through Facebook. And and uh, I think it was Luke Mitchell came up to me and he was like, dude. You're just kind of like chilled out. I thought you'd be like running around making videos the whole time. And I'm like, no, I'm here to learn loophole repair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Um, I'm going to get away from a little bit of the body shop stuff now. Um, you know, I, I'm just like I said, I'm just so honored and blessed to have you as as a friend besides, you know, being one of my customers um, I'm honored to be able to be on the Kansas auto body association board with you. I, I, I can go on forever about the accolades that, you know, you've done for me and um, you know, but now we're going to get in some, some, some heavy duty questions. All okay, right? so, okay. So here we go. So what is your best tip for making the world a better place? Oh man. Um,
1: man. So, Not typically, and you know me well enough, Amenti, and anybody that's listening to this that knows me knows that I'm not like the typical, hey, let's make the world better. Um, But I do do consider myself a patriot. I love my country. Um, And lately, I've been finding myself more appreciative of what we have in this country, um, the freedoms that we have, than ever, simply because sometimes you see them threatened and you're going, wow, you don't know what you have until it's almost gone. Um, the one tip that I have right now that I'm seeing as a problem is that people are making decisions off of political correctness instead of conviction. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, I was raised in a house that we made decisions off of conviction. And if it wasn't popular, that's just, we made decisions because it was a conviction of ours. Um, I see a lot of people, um, change how they talk, who they talk to, Um, I mean, they change everything about them, um, depending on whether it's going to be popular or whether it's going to be politically correct. And I think that's I think that's um, part of the reason why we're seeing what we see today. Um, You know, in in the in the craziness that's in the world right now, um, people are scared to say what's actually on their mind. And um, I think that we need we need to go back to, I think the world would be a lot better place uh, if we just made decisions off of what we know is right for ourselves, no matter what anybody else thinks.
0: Yeah, I, you know what, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I feel that the problem that I see when I talk to other people is that they feel that if uh, they stay quiet, they're blamed for staying quiet. If they say something, they're blamed for saying it not the right way. So a lot of people are confused. They don't know you know, what, what, what they can say, you know, instead of just worrying about what everybody else is going to counter them with. Well, and
1: I've got, and I've got, you know, a point, you know, I got another thing to add on to that is people need to understand that, that, you know, um, AI is not, or uh, not AI, Facebook is, I mean, it's artificial. It's not real. It's mm -hmm. you know, and I think that we've, you know for a long time everyone's always talked about you know this artificial intelligence this life that you put on goggles and live and they made movies about it but I think we're living it right now in the fact that most people live their lives through instagram twitter youtube you know and and they and they get on and that's what reality is to them it's and here's here's the truth it's false reality um you know you don't have to uh Uh, man, I, I I try to, I always consider my time buying and selling, you know, I'm selling my time or I'm buying somebody else's time all the time. And I try not to buy that much off of Facebook (laughs) because I find that it's a, it's a, I find that it's a, um, it's a, it's a fake reality that is geared to frustrate you and, and anger you or anything that'll keep your attention long enough to sell you an ad or sell you a product or something um and yet when we live our normal lives our actual real life uh we live with it with this nagging feeling in the back that um that that's that what we saw on facebook is real
0: Mm -hmm. it's a lot of times it's not (laughs) right 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 well you know i i've i've learned now that um, whenever I see something like an article or something, I like to open it up if it interests me just to verify the date. Because a lot of times you see stuff being re, reposted that's from three years ago. And, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's like, well, wait a second. Don't just share something because you like what the main part of the article is. Look and see what the date was on it. You know, because what you're doing is yeah. you're spreading misinformation and, you know, like you said, you're just it's stuff that's not real. It it, yeah, it happened three years ago, yeah. but it doesn't pertain to now. So that's that's a yeah. big thing. So how much is does your faith? Because um, I, I believe you're a Christian like myself. How much does your faith interf- intertwine with your day to day life? Um,
1: so to be brutally honest and 100 percent transparent and vulnerable with you, you know, it's it's been changing. Um, significantly within the last year and a half, you know, I'm a, I'm, I am a firm believer that, um, Jesus Christ is real, that we have a God, um, that I do believe that he died for our sins. Um, but as of late, uh, I've been so busy in life that I just haven't really spent any time into that portion of my life. Now I, I know that the reality is, is, uh, you know, Jesus is in a part-time gig and it's not you know if you read about or what Jesus calls his disciples to, it's definitely not a uh, oh, well, you know pick me up every morning at eight from eight to nine and then go do your own thing. It's a life. And my dad, so my dad's a pastor uh, growing up, my dad, you know knowing that my dad was a pastor and I was into youth ministry, very well educated into what's in the Bible and the truth. Uh, but the reality and actually practicing that is, um, it's, you know, it's difficult. It's Mm -hmm. much like knowing what you need to do. Um, it's like, you know, having, having your best friend as a bodybuilder and you being an ex bodybuilder, it doesn't take away from the fact that there's a discipline that is involved in becoming that bodybuilder. It's not like you just get to know the truth and all of a sudden you have muscles, um, the truth is you got to, you got to actually show up. And so, yeah. So as of late, if you know um, how it's affected my life probably n- not a whole lot right now.
0: Okay. I, that's, that's understandable. I mean, you know, sometimes as we get busy in life, we start to just be focused on that. And, and I mean, like anything, it's, it's practicing something. You have to just, you know, do it on a constant basis to be able to, always maintain it. But I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I've developed myself more into being a stronger Christian to help my faith be do better at my job, which in my opinion, um, you know, I, I've taken a test that there was a, a spiritual, um, to find where you were, uh, spiritual gifts. And, uh, I had three spiritual gifts. One was administration. The other one was, um, um, faith. And the third one was miracles. So with that, you know, it, it shows that I have a strong faith and I believe in the miracles from that faith, which a lot has Ooh. happened. So um, I, I definitely have to say for me, it's been a, it's been a major, major growth, um, especially in the last I, I would say in the last three and a half years. So it's cool. So, yeah, it, it, it's 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 pretty intense when when people sit down and talk to me about it. And I always like to share my faith. and I have, I'm not embarrassed by it. So. Um, that's why that's I like cool. to ask that question from people. So, um, yeah. well, you know, we've done, we've done 30 minutes of our interview. So let's, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this up with a couple of things. Now, um, as you know, I, I listen to Ed, my, uh, I also listen to Tony mm-hmm. Gonzalez on podcasts and every once in a while, I, I like the way they end some of their stuff. So I'm going to steal some of their questions. So the first question would be, what would be your, what would you pick to be your last meal? So if you had one last meal on earth, you're on death. <laughs> Easy. you're on death row, and I have a feeling I know what this is.
1: You already know what it is, <laughs> but, um,
0: but I'm going to ask it so that everybody can hear about what they all right would have.
1: Bro, I am a ribeye connoisseur. I love ribeyes. <laughs> yeah,
0: so, so, good, good so, steak. So, if, so. If you're going to have your ribeye, you have potatoes with that, or a, a baked potato uh mash. I'm having,
1: yeah, I'm starching it up, dude. Mashed potato, french fries, you know. Yeah,
0: me I'm a meat and cheese kind of a dude. So, I mean, is that all you're going to have? Are you going to have any dessert with that? I mean, what, No, you, I'm you not. You get to you're just going to load I'm up. Not and, into, how, how big is that ribeye going to be?
1: Dude, uh, I, as big as it can get, man. I'm <laughs> telling you. I think I think I think I was born a viking of some sort like I, yeah, I love meat, potatoes, cheese, you know, yeah, I don't need, I don't need any sweets,
0: keep the vegetables. (laughs) All right, Well, we're going to, we're going to stay on the food topic here. We're going to stay on the food topic. So if you could have dinner with any three people that are dead or alive right now, who would it be and why?
1: Ah,
0: Dead or alive,
1: huh? Dead or alive. Uh, first one, with Grant Cardone, cause the dude's a monster and I just love Nick, and I admire his grind. I've never, he's one of the biggest influences I've ever had in my life. And I think that a lot of my success is because of his, uh, content that he's shared. Um, I'd say Elon Musk would be another one because the dude just does not think, I, I mean, he does not think inside the box. Uh, he's, um unbelievable i mean the dude is just insane um man last person i don't i i would have to like i have to do um i have to do the jesus christ one just because i've seen you know there's a new show called the chosen that i've watched and i've watched you know passion of christ i want to see what the dude really looks like i want to talk with him I, that's, I think that would be, that would be dope. Those
0: oh, that, three people. That's, that's awesome. You know, I, and I had a feeling Grant Cardone, I already, I probably already knew that one with you. Uh, didn't know about, I, I didn't know about the <laughs> Elon Musk one, um, but uh, no, those are, those are, those are three, those are three solid, uh, you know, being able to sit there and, and be able to talk to them and, and just, you know, pick their brains. I think that's the one of the reasons why I asked that question um, is just to, to see, you know, what you're going to want or who you want to talk to, you know? So that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Well, listen, I don't, I don't want to, I wanted to keep podcasts to, you know, between 30 and 45 minutes. You know, we're, we're running about 34 and I know you're, too, uh, you're definitely a busy man. And, um, you know, first of all, I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to do my very first, uh, live interview with you. Um, that's that's an honor to me Um, also uh, you know a couple things that I always like to do whether it be a Facebook live or whatever I always like to give a first of all I always like to give a shout out to all our public safety officers out there for everything that they do and how tough it is you know whether it be police firemen paramedics or dispatchers you know Um, also I'd like to give a huge shout out to all our veterans out there uh, for their time and sacrifice that they gave to all those that are serving right now and, and especially a welcome home to all our Vietnam veterans. Um, they were never given that, and that's a big thing that my stepdad always tells me, is whenever you see a veteran from Vietnam, welcome them home. So that that's the other final. So, cool. And as always, you know, I've been blessed to be able to do this. So, I, you know, uh, I am very thankful um, that I had this opportunity to, to do this. So, um, like I said, thanks. Is there anything that you want to add before we uh, close this up?
1: No nah, man, I really appreciate you uh, you having me on as your first guest. Uh, this this is a lot of fun, man. Yeah. A cool, th- cool thing well, for
0: you. we'll definitely get to do another one down the road. You know, probably in a couple of months, just to see how things have, have transpired to that. I'd like to go into talking a little bit more about where you're at now um, in the business because it's grown so much. But you know that that's a yeah, that's a yeah. total separate podcast alone, um, just to go over that kind of what's going on. So. Um, again, yeah, thank you. Sure. Um, I will make sure that, uh, thank you. we get this posted and let people know about the, the true clay hole. <laughs>
1: Sounds great, man. All I appreciate it. Take care, it. buddy.
0: Thanks. Bye.